Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 47, which is originally airing in late June. And it is summer, at least for our listeners in the Northern Hemisphere. I forget sometimes. We, we get emails from all over, and it's great. So we, we love our international listeners, and I guess for that, our Australian listeners who are who are entering winter um, as, as we're talking here. But uh, yeah, so are you doing a lot of summer reading, Sarah? Is that yeah, I was, I was just putting together my summer reading list. Um, it's not really a formal list. It was more just like I realized I needed to – put in a lot of library holds. <laughs> so I did, I uh, used um, the modern Mrs. Darcy summer reading guide mostly and picked um, several that looked really juicy and I put them all on hold and I figure whatever comes up from the hold list is what I'm going to read. Cause I, a lot of them had like, you know, 47 active requests already, but it's oh, okay. fast. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So with that though, I mean, cause there's like this whole management strategy there, right? Cause what are you going to do if like six of them come up at the same time? Oh God. I don't think they will. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> have a strategy. I don't have a strategy. If that happens. Yeah. I guess I'll just, that's fine. I'll return them and get them on the, get on the list again. That's yeah. my strategy. <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, what I've thought about, I, I don't have a good library hold strategy, but I've decided you can sort of, 
see from that if you were really, really sad about not being able to read a toddler, then you could just go buy that one. Yes, right? absolutely. If I was like, oh, and it's true. Actually, I'm most excited probably for Frederick Bachman's sequel to Beartown um, that's coming out. I forget what the actual sequel is called, but it's very exciting because I loved Beartown. And I actually didn't love some of his – I read um, A Man Called Ove and wasn't a big fan, but then I loved Beartown. So the fact that he decided to expand those characters made me excited. And then um, there's been a lot of buzz on the Amer- An American Marriage by Tagari Jones. And so, I, yeah, if I don't get those by, I would say, mid-July or August, I will be buying them. Yeah. And you just had your um, first parenting book club, right? <gasps> yes. Well, I guess this goes with our goals discussion because it was one of our goals. We did our first parenting. This is something I've had like on the list of things that I've wanted to do for probably a year. Um, I got the idea from my friend Erica in Chapel Hill who listens. Hi, Erica. And she was part of this quarterly parenting book club. And I was so jealous and I wanted to in one too. So I figured I would have to start one. And we had our very first installment at our house last weekend. And we actually had a babysitter just to kind of control the big kids so that we didn't have to hold it, you know, super late, like past their bedtime. We did takeout, um, pizza, did we do pizza, pizza or sushi? I forget something. And so we made it super easy. And then we all hung out and drank wine and talked about our kids and the book. And, um, our first installment was using uh, Naomi Schaefer Riley's be a parent, please, which focuses a lot on, you know, the use of technology and kids. And I picked it because I figured it had a lot of fodder for debate and it was, it was awesome. And everyone wants to keep doing it. And we already have a date picked for July and another member has offered to host. So I would, I'm, I would consider the launch a success. How many, how many people? And is it like couples or is it just one yeah, party? So the or? first one was um, three couples in addition to uh, Josh and I. Um, one of the spouses actually couldn't make it. So it was like two and a half couples. Um, so seven people total. I think the next one's going to be bigger because there were a couple that were really interested that couldn't make it to this one and one that had just had a baby that, you know, she's going to be ready soon, but wasn't quite ready. Um, so I think it'll probably be five couples for the second. We're trying to keep it fairly intimate so that it's, I mean, to some extent, it's just sort of an excuse to all get together. But um, adding the fact that we're reading the book um, is fun. And uh, <laughs> at the first one, there was the most hilarious discussion of like, you know, how to get your husband to read the book because <laughs> <laughs> some are different than others. Josh was like super happy to do it. He loved the idea, although he also says, okay, if we're doing a parenting book club, I'm also starting a sci-fi book club and I want you to help me do that. So now, I mean, that's fair. But uh, so he happily read the book. And so did, you know, one of the other spouses. And then one of them, the wife had put a post-it note on the book that was like, book club, please read. And he announced that like, he's like, I'm not going to read that effing book because there was a post-it on it. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we all had then a discussion. We spun off into a discussion of Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies because clearly that guy was a total rebel. And it was a really, it was a really fun night. It was a fun night. I highly recommend doing something like that if you're looking for a way to get parents together to talk about, you know, all those kinds of issues in a fun setting. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm, I'm about to like, when we're done with this, I'm going to email Naomi and tell, tell her you did that because <laughs> she'll be. Oh, yeah, I should have done that. Maybe, you know, because I, I have a little bit of connections at this point with the podcast, maybe in the future, I'll see if I can like, you know, get get an author to give me a soundbite or something. Right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. That would be really no, cool. No, that is definitely, of, of the parenting books I've read recently, I would say that was one of the more, um, would create good discussion fodder because I think people would have strong feelings about it. Uh, Naomi never minces words. Um, and so, uh, she was definitely telling people like, just stop being like wishy-washy about what you want to do. Like if you want to ban whatever from your kids, just do it. Um, just do it. So that was, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, I'm impressed you're starting book clubs. That's just, um, I'm, I'm not doing any book clubs. I, uh, in fact, my summer reading is, is somewhat, yeah. I bet you're going to read a ton this summer though. Do you have any sp- special picks? Uh, I don't know. I just, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it because I've been putting all sort of discretionary time lately into work with my own book launch. The Off the Clock came out as we're, we're recording this in early June. Yes. The book came out last week. And so, and there were so many positive reviews and mentions. Like it seems like everyone is loving it. Oh, that's, I hope so. <laughs> if people are listening to this and haven't purchased it yet, please go do. It'd be a nice way to support our podcast, um, which, you know, we, we, we don't give you ads at this point, uh, but it would be great if you could buy the books and Sarah will have something in the future that you can, you can 
purchase maybe well we'll see (laughs) but uh, that's the plan at least um but yeah no so i just actually i finished uh scott jurek's book north um which was a runner jenny jurek his his wife jurek um it was it was interesting it took me a while to get into because i don't know the beginning was just a bit like oh why are we a bit overwrought of like what we're going to do with the appalachian trail but then he, I got really into it as he's on the trail running, which if you think about the craziness of this, this is a 2100 mile trail from Georgia to Maine. Uh, and he, to get the record, had to run it in 46 days and 11 hours, I think was the record. And he wound up running it 46 days and eight hours. So it was very close. <gasps> it was, oh it was not, yeah. And, and he was so exhausted by the end of it because he wasn't sleeping, right? He was sleeping like two hours a night for the last three or four days in order to hit that goal at the end. Uh, so it's it sort of fascinating to hear about the mental game that is involved in getting through something like that. And I, I've interviewed um, Amelia Boone, who is a well-known ultra runner slash uh, obstacle course racer. And the way these people talk about suffering and pain and sort of mentally trans just getting over it it is fascinating. And I knew Jarek had hit the record. So it it, it speaks to a book that even though though you know exactly how it comes out, like, you know, you can just look online and see that he got the record. Right. But yet you're still at the end, like, Oh my gosh, is he actually going to be able to do that? So so I actually really enjoyed that. Um, Yeah. I feel like even, yeah, the logistics of it and hearing what the emotions were like through that would be really fascinating. So now I got to figure out my next book. I need to set some time aside and figure out what I'm going to spend some time reading this summer. But uh, Well, speaking of reading, you don't set specific book number goals. Do you? I can't remember. Did you for last year? No, I don't. I think last year, once I realized I was close, I wanted to make sure I read at least a hundred books. That's like wow. a good round number, but it wasn't like I had a specific number, partly because the thing with books, I mean, there's a number of very short books out there in the world. And so if you're just trying to hit a number, you can be a little silly about the goals and, and say, well, I'm only going to read these tiny books <laughs> this pamphlet the pamphlet type books uh, that were should have been just a online story and somebody convinced somebody to turn it into a printed book so you could always do that I so I guess I wasn't so focused on the book number itself I wanted to have a better reading life and I, I think you know I've been satisfied with that but I can see myself slipping into these certain habits of not putting the thought into well what am I going to read next and and when I don't put the thought into it that's when I wind up reading a lot of the magazine stuff or just you know whatever is is sort of sitting around which may not be what I really want to read I get sent a lot of books just through work related stuff and um, some are good and some are not but you know a lot of them are kind of the stuff that I would pick up to read that I don't really want to be reading more of. <laughs> so uh, I want to read more of the novels. Uh, yes. So I need to put more time into that. But this is a good transition to our goals, which I forgot to mention is actually our topic today, our, our 2018 goals, how we're coming along on them, how we would like to do them. So remind our, our listeners, Sarah, how did you set your goals for this year? So I kind of decided to divide the year into quintiles, which is a little unusual. Um, But it it was a sort of a natural decision just because I thought about how, well, I have maternity leave and then I have that sort of back to work piece and then there's the summer. And then I felt like the rest of the year was too big to be just one giant quarter. So I figured that there would be kind of like a back to school quintile and then like an end of the year one. So yeah, I set my goals, my overarching goals. Just I didn't do any like yearly list really. Instead, I did um, Q1 and Q2 and we're actually coming to the end of Q2. So this is good timing. And it is kind of amazing to think we are halfway by the time this airs through 2018. So it's a nice milestone, you know, to see if there are things that I'd love to get done this year, what needs to happen between now and the end. Yeah. Well, I had set mine quarterly, which I guess is slightly which more, is similar, but yeah, yeah. I, but more normal, but more normal <laughs> than the, than the quintile. And I realized as I was putting together the notes for this episode that I had never blogged or written or shared my quarterly goals for 2018. I think I was feeling a little bit gold out or something uh, at the end of the year and didn't feel like 
putting them out or whatever. So I had to go back hunting through my notebook to find where they were, which shows, shows you right there that I probably wasn't that keen on them in the first place uh, if they weren't posted somewhere like prominently on my desk. Like these are things I really wish to do this year. So I, I guess I could just run through some of them now. Should I, yeah. should I do that? And remind our listeners how you divide into different categories. Yeah. So for each quarter, I set a personal goal, a relationships goal, and a career goal. And that's just to sort of have broad ideas. And the reason to do it quarterly as well is that I guess it's more things you can put in. And then it's also, you don't feel like you have to do them all at once. So if there's something I know that I want to do, but I feel like the beginning of the year has too much going on, I can say, well, that's something I'll do in the summer or that's something I'll do in the fall. And you get these four fresh starts as opposed to thinking you have to do everything in January, which is, is never really going to work. So for Q1, you could tell, I, I don't necessarily go for all the goals that I set down. So clearly, again, this wasn't all that well thought through. Like, I really honestly want to do these things. So for Q1, for the personal, I said I wanted to do a personal record for a mile. And I did not. Did you have a plan for training for that or you thought it would just... No, like- and I think partly the reason I it isn't is because I don't actually have to train to get a personal record because I run so slowly usually <laughs> <laughs> that I can, in fact, I could probably go downstairs on my treadmill right now and set a PR, like just today to decide to do it, which because the fastest mile I've ever run is 7.35 and I know that is actually not the fastest I can run a mile but, you know, yeah, just, you should beat that today. I could beat that just- today. I could walk down and set the treadmill on eight miles per hour and just keep it at that. And that would be 730. So, <laughs> but I, so why didn't I do it? That's, that's a fascinating question. I don't know. I guess maybe because I wasn't looking at these goals, but I did not do that in Q1. So we can analyze that. <laughs> um, relationships. I wanted to do our spring break trip with the big kids. We went to London and the UK and we did that. So that was fun. Work, I said, write a dozen sonnets. I keep telling myself I want to do a collection of sonnets, uh, you know, 14 lines, iambic pentameter poems. I did three. So I guess three is better than none, but it's not 12. (laughs) Problem of three. Pretty good. Setting very specific goals. Maybe I should have said write one. Then I would be like, look, I beat my goal three times over and something like I only did 25% of my goal. Uh, Q2, personal, complete home renovation. That is a big yes. We had all sorts of ridiculousness with the house this spring. And what I guess I was at least rational with that, that I set that as a goal for Q2 as opposed to Q1. Uh, in my mind, I thought we would get through it quicker. And it's not that they took a long time once they started. It was mostly a five-week project with a handful of visits later. But we didn't break ground until March 23 on it, um, which was almost the end of Q1. So I kind of thought all that pre-work would have happened faster. I know everyone says the projects take longer than you think it will, but it wasn't that we were out of our kitchen for longer than we thought we were or out of my master bathroom for longer than we thought. It was just that the the prep work seemed to to go on for a while. Uh, So, yeah. I think that is actually really fast um, from our experience, at least down here. There's a lot of, I guess there's more people wanting work done than there are workers to do it. So people will like sign up to start a project and like something better will come along. They'll disappear for three months. You like can't reach. Like, so I think you're, I think you were really tight actually. Well, I, this, and I don't think this is random either. So I had three groups of contractors come in to give bids and I think all of them were great, but one seemed sort of more professionally organized than the other. Like it was a, a big company, been here for years. It seemed that they were more like when you asked for something, it got there very quickly. Like they had multiple people assigned to the administration of it. Like it's still the prep work took a long time, but I felt like they weren't going to disappear. And they didn't. I mean, once they assigned people to it, they were there. And uh, so that was a key thing. Because, um, you know, and I, I'm not even sure if that people mean, you know, nefarious things. It's just, you know, some other job, there's a problem, they have to get somebody over there. And so then they're not at your place, or the permitting process takes longer than they think it will. And what what actually happened for us is the permits, of course, took longer than they would do because you're dealing with municipal government. But, you know, they actually still had the people there here, and they would work on something else while they were waiting for the inspector to get over. So 
Yeah. To give you perspective, we were having some outside work done and they started it before the hurricane. <laughs> and then it got finished. Got fin- that was last September and it finished in May. <laughs> Cuz they they were they had a lot of hurricane related work, I guess, that was very lucrative and more 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 exciting than, than you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm I'm happy about that. That is big. You're good. You did good. Big check mark <laughs> on that. Uh relationship goals. I said run a half marathon with Michael and we we, I had signed up for one that was this past weekend, June 3, and it just was not going to work with the schedule for me to run a half marathon on that day without various other things not happening. But we had run the Broad Street 10-miler together in early May, so I think that counts as yes, running a distance race together. And one of the good things of setting these as goals, like as specific goals, is – I mean, I'll just – Sharing this with you and our, our thousands of listeners quietly here, he may have been undertrained for it, so he's running a bit, you know, slower than I think I would have for that particular race. But because it was a goal to run with him, like I said, well, let's just finish it together. You know, he was saying like, well, why don't you Aww. run ahead? And I said, well, no, I'm not going to run ahead because we're going to run this together. So we did. Um, That's so cute, yeah. though. So we did. Uh, that career um, for Q2, my goal is to launch uh, off the clock, which is launched. So I guess that was going to happen check. regardless of what I did. Big check. <laughs> Big check. Uh, so now, you know, Q3, a couple things. Personal, I want to come up with a philanthropy plan that I want to be a little bit more intentional about, you know, giving money to organizations, what I intend to do with it. And it's not like I'm giving away millions here, but I think. You know, it's enough to be No, that's good. Because it's easy to sort of just get like, oh, I'll give a little of that because they asked or a little bit. of, and then, But it's like, wait, what are my real top priorities to make sure that you're actually covering what you want, not just who's the loudest asking for it? Yeah. So I think that's a good idea. Yeah, no. So I'm, I'm going to do that. Relationships, well, the Yellowstone trip with the family later this summer. Uh, career, figure out next book. But that's already done. Got done actually in Q1. So my next book is coming out in March of 2019. So, hmm. are you off the hook, or do you have to figure out your next figure out the next book? After. Well, that doesn't <laughs> seem fair. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I guess you get to decide. I, well, I could. I could put some time into thinking about that, or maybe I'll just work on finishing the novel I've been working on. So that would be another another option. Q4 personal celebrate my 40th uh, relationships. I thought I'd take at least a short trip with my husband and then career. Well, let's see, here we go. Career. I said, write something during national novel writing month. That's when you do 50,000 words in, in 30 days. So maybe combine what I would be working on the novel in Q3 with Q4. So maybe that's what I'll do. We'll see. Exciting. Well, that's yeah. excellent. I feel like you, you did really well. I mean, there were a few randoms in there so I guess it's like sort of like that soul searching of like did you really want to run that PR but otherwise I feel like yeah you did really well all right how about no, you what's I'm just like realizing mine are like too complex but don't <laughs> summarize <laughs> um, I did really we well. got time we're, we're only 20 minutes yeah. into this episode <laughs> That's true. And, you know, interestingly, um, we appreciate listener feedback and we did get some feedback after a couple of our sort of conversational off the cuff episodes that you really like those. So, I mean, that made me happy because they're really fun to do. And I also kind of know what you mean, because in some of my favorite podcasts, I really enjoy those episodes as well. So even though to us, I'm like, is this going to be boring for people? At the same time, I'm like, I love listening to other people talk about this kind of specific stuff. So I am hopeful that it will not be terribly boring, but you can let us know <laughs> nicely. No, I'm just kidding. Um, either way. So, okay. So again, I had two quintiles that have gone by and three to come, and I'm going to mostly just talk about what went on and not that much of the future because I haven't really decided yet. But I will say Q1 was was really good. The time that I was home with childcare um, was It's amazing really, what you can get done when you're was wonderful. not working and you also have full-time childcare. Yes. Not sustainable, but it was really wonderful. I feel like I got... Um, one of my goals was to spend focused time with the big kids every day. I definitely did with my older one. I did with Cameron sometimes. I had tons of baby time. I was shockingly well rested, even though she didn't sleep that much. It was just a great time. My other goals were to have family dinners on Sundays. And I did do this. And I will say that the main 
secret, not secret, but the, my main factor of success was to have our nanny go shopping on Friday to have the ingredients. Cause it was always like, Oh, it's Sunday. And I didn't have the time to go to the store and make something. But if I already had the ingredients, I would generally use them. Cause of course I didn't want them to go bad and it's much easier to cook when you already have the stuff there. So yes. Number three was to get back into exercise and complete something called the DIA method, which was sort of to help with diastasis. I did that for a few weeks. I then switched to something called Mama Strong, which is similar. And I did her core camp program and I finished it. And so I would give that a success. I mean, did I like get a six pack? No. Um, but I would say I, I learned a little bit about like um, targeting those muscles in the right kind of a way. I would give myself a check because I was pretty consistent with exercise. Um, outline uh, a future ebook or book or whatever it's going to be. I did write a chapter list and sort of a mini proposal and was sort of shocked and thrilled to get contacted by someone in the industry, which, you know, not nothing is in the works formally at all. But even the fact that there was a contact was, was slightly thrilling. So, you know, I'm moved to move on with that in the future. Kanmari the home. Hmm. I did the essentials. I did the clothing. I did the kids stuff, but I would not say I did a complete job. <laughs> I wrote, Laura, I think you're rubbing off on me because nope. some of it I was just like, eh, maybe I don't care that much. So, <laughs> you know, there, there, I definitely still feel calmer when what is around me is fairly spare and not all over the place. But at the same time, I don't know that I want to devote hours to like that deep clean out because I just, I guess, you know, that's an hour you're not doing something else. Yep, so there you go. Hours, so there we go. <sighs> yep. Um, combine the kids' rooms. I was dreading this, um, but Annabelle and Cameron are now sharing a room. And honestly, Josh has done a lot of the work to kind of get it fixed, all of the work to get, <laughs> to not, to get it fixed up and ready for them. But I, I helped push him along, I guess. And it is done. And it's gone much better than expected. Actually, I thought it would ruin the bedtime routine. And, you know, they were so, I was so used to putting Cameron to bed and then having time with Annabelle. But now um, we do it at the same time. A lot of times Cameron falls asleep while we're reading to Annabelle. So that works. But it's been much more successful than I thought. So if you are going to have to combine kids, don't be scared. It's okay. Um, and then I sort of set separate habit goals. And I tend to do this on a monthly, but I guess I also kind of looked and saw what I wanted to get for the quarter done. And I just put to read something daily, which I did. I read a lot in Q1 and to try to keep the minutes on my phone less than 90 minutes. And I was pretty successful during that quarter. And then finally, I had some bucket list items. Um, one was to take the big kids ice skating and it didn't happen. My husband was not that excited about it. <laughs> so we didn't go. And, you know, with me having to strap, I wasn't going to be able to skate with Genevieve. So if he wasn't into it, it wasn't going to happen. But I'll do it next winter because I'm excited about it. Um, to read 10 books, I read way more. I think I read like 16 or 17 um, during that quarter. To listen to an album daily. I did that at least through most of January and I think part of February and listened to at least 30 of the top albums of 2017 according to certain websites. So that was cool. And then I had a three date nights um, as a goal. And I think we did two and Genevieve might've been present for one of them. So unfortunately that tells me I need to, I mean, I really do enjoy date nights, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really ready to leave. I had more issues with the feeding of Genevieve than I did with the other kids and I just wasn't ready to leave her. So there you go. But I'm going to work on that now that she's older. All right. So, so that Q1 was, Q1. was good. Q1 seems like most yeah. of that happened. Q1 was like really good. Like I felt very on top of things. Q2, I'm that's sort of that fifth trimester period. I went back to work on March 5th. It's now June 7th. So it's been three months. And I will at least say that I set the bar really low. Like I <laughs> did not. Um, I mostly put things on the list that I knew would have to happen anyway, uh, like Annabelle's birthday party. And um, you'll see these are my goals were like to work on establishing rhythms that work for that time. And I, I, I will give it some I'm like, what kind of goal? What was, I was in a weird mood with these, but I will say check. I figured out I kind of have to go to bed at like nine. And if I get up at five, I can get a little bit done before Genevieve works, uh, wakes up to get in any workout early. Cause it's not going to happen later and to read while I'm pumping. So I would say those are the things I've figured out that work for right now. So check continue work on positive parenting. I think I had just read some parenting book and I don't, this is terrible. Well, it might have been after the, the Catherine, Catherine Reynolds Lewis episode, episode yeah. which I love her philosophy, but I, it was too vague of a goal. So, um, yeah, <laughs> we'll just leave it at be that. Positive. Um, Yay. To kind of be really, to try not to panic at work about um, overload and really look at the day's plan and uh, try to avoid frenetic multitasking and distractions. Um, 
too vague again. And I would say 50-50. I was better at delegation with some things, but um, the residency is, is approaching and that's led to a lot more of these kind of just little things that seem to pop up all the time while I'm also seeing patients and trying to keep up with the documentation and trying to call patients back and trying to pump. So it's just been really, it's been challenging. And I don't think it's a failure on my part. It's just a tough situation and I'm just getting through it. Um, number four was to pump five times a day and I just accept the outcome. Um, and shockingly, I don't even pump five times a day. I, I pump three to four times, three at work, sometimes one at home, and it's the outcome's been fine. Better than the last round with my second child. I'm keeping up. I still have a lot in the freezer and don't even, I don't even really use it in the freezer. I haven't even thought about the freezer in a while, to be honest. And so I will give myself a gold star because this was an epic struggle a couple of months ago. Um, and then number five, good nutrition, rest, like try to take care of my body. I would say, yes, I could eat better than I have been, but it's not been total disaster. And I've really done well with exercise and found a routine that I like um, with the workouts I'm doing now. And then the habits were to read daily. Yes, because I read while I'm pumping. So that's kind of a forced yes. To continue to work on staying off my phone. No, because I also go on my phone while I'm pumping. So there you go. To try to meditate for five minutes a day. Nope. <laughs> to cook on Sundays. A few I did it, but not consistently. And then to do like a gratitude practice daily. I was trying to pick things that would center me through this tough time, but no, none of them really worked for me this time. But if you're trying to get off, wait, and, let me back up on this. If you're trying to be off the phone <laughs> during the pumping time, like what, what would you be doing in your set? Are you trying to increase how much book oh, reading you're doing? Like I'd rather, I'd rather be reading and I, I'm happier to be reading a book than having just then scrolling through Instagram. And the other time that I've been scrolling and that I don't really like it, and I'd feel better if I was reading a book like on the Kindle app, but instead it's been social media stuff is after I put the kids to bed, I tend to lie down on the couch in the room because they're dependent on that. And then I end up getting sort of stuck on the couch and either I fall asleep or I'm like, wait. So yeah, it's just, this is like the good thing. I'm, not that mad at my, I'm actually not that mad at myself. That's the funny thing. Even though I didn't make my goal, I'm like, eh, whatever. This is what I had to do these past three months, but I did write it down as a goal. So I have to say, I, feel. No, I don't know. I think, I think that's fine. I mean, yes, it's better to read the ebook. And I've, I felt, so I often have to sit in my three-year-old's room while he falls asleep too. Uh, it's just, Either that or I'm sitting outside the door trying to keep him from running out um, and, and running outside, <laughs> which has happened. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, when I'm good about it, I'm reading a book on my Kindle app. When I'm not thinking about it, then I'm on social media. And honestly, it's it's like makes it slightly nicer versus what it would be. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's okay. Yeah, maybe my failure was making that a goal. All right, reconsider. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and then finally, my sort of bucket list items um, I'm really happy with. So Annabelle's first drop-off birthday party, check, big success. Um, have a Our Disney trip round three was a success, although we were both sick and then I had like vertigo, which sucks, um, but it's over. Um, planning makeovers to complete those. I did three, which was awesome and fun. And I'm going to actually do some follow-ups with those those people. Parenting book club to launch. Yes. As we discussed and revisit no yoga, which I, I didn't cause I pivoted to those beach body workouts, which I love so much. Although there is a yoga workout in there and I've been doing it. So there you go. So yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I don't really have Q3 done yet. So maybe we'll update you at the end of the year. Yeah, how that went. went. I've enjoyed listening to some other people's uh, goals podcasts. So uh, the am writing podcast with um, Jess and KJ talking about their, their writing processes and all that. They, they all set goals for the year and we're talking about them in a recent episode. They had an interesting framework. They were trying to set, I think like three goals you can control and three you can't, which Ooh. makes me a little uh, antsy. Like I don't like this idea of goals I can't control. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, because I, I don't know, you read all this stuff, the, the smart goals, right? That they're specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time targeted or whatever the last one is time bound. Mm -hmm. And the achievable and realistic are important, I think, in many ways, but because I, I guess I just don't like to set a goal and then do everything I can and fail at it. I guess that's the reality. And it's true. It's like, should they really be goals? Like get my book published. Is that a goal or like create an proposal that I'm proud of? Like I can control one, but I can't control the other or like commit to exercising X amount of days versus like have gorgeous abs. Like I can control one, but I can't necessarily control the other. So 
I tend to prefer the process type goals versus the pie in the sky. It just kind of depends on the luck. Although I do understand that people find big goals motivating sometimes. And in the sense that if you're trying to do something, which is a huge stretch reach and you can't actually control everything, sometimes you are really thinking hard about it. You're trying lots of different things and that can motivate you to do things you wouldn't otherwise. But yeah. Or even like a race goal. Like if you're like, I'm going to run this race in this time, that's kind of a, you can't control that. But at the time, same time, it may shape your behaviors in a way that just saying train really hard. Won't. Yeah. So I guess there's something to be said for that. I think you just need to know yourself. And if you're going to find a goal that you cannot be sure you would achieve to be motivational or to be demotivational and it just make you feel bad about yourself. So, because I think, I mean, goal setting is about feeling better about yourself. And in my mind, I mean, maybe for other people, it's not. Maybe, you know, other people think it should be solely about results. And if you don't achieve them, you should feel bad about it. I don't know. But uh, that's just never been interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. Goals tend to make me happy, whether I make them or whether I reach them or don't, if you reach them, it's happy. And if I don't, it's sort of like helps me tailor myself for next time. But having the active goals and the process of sitting down and creating them definitely makes me happier. And that may be, I mean, some people are built differently and may not feel that way. Yeah. So we'd love to hear so from listeners, like how you, goal. what you think about goals. Are you into sort of the doable process goals, which it sounds like mostly Sarah and I are, or do you like this idea of setting I guess what is Jim Collins called the big, hairy, audacious goal, you know, that you're not sure you'll reach and it has to, you know, you change all your processes and stuff to make it even possible for, for that to do. If you find that motivational, let us know. Cause I bet there's two goal setting camps here in the world. We have to create a little dichotomy for that. And maybe someone who's entirely anti-goal. anti-goal. That's true. That could be the third. <laughs> all right. Well, moving on to the Q and A. Yeah. So this question is from Allison. Uh, she says, I'm a little bit behind both you in life stages. She's 30, married, working full-time, fellow lover of planning. Excellent. She she finds yeah. the podcast so interesting in a looking-ahead kind of way. Uh, side note, I've been fascinated at the number of notes we've gotten from people who don't have children, uh, who are in sort of a pre-kid stage of life, but are listening to this podcast as, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's impressive. Although maybe they're they're trying to make, you know, we're sort of like a goal, not a goal, but like a one vision of what it could possibly be. And they're trying to decide if they really want to do that. I mean, in some ways it could be, it could be useful. useful. I guess I hope we're, hope. but yeah, I agree. That's really cool. Yeah, so she says, my husband and I are looking to try to start a family soon. Eventually we want multiple kids. I've heard a lot from friends, colleagues, even this podcast about balancing life and work after baby. But in the couple of months before you first got pregnant, what do you wish you had known? Are there ways you would have organized your life, schedule, et cetera, to prepare you? Or do you wish you just all out embraced your freedom? Also, how did you cope with early pregnancy at work, especially when that involves travel, conferences, events, et cetera, dealing with low energy, reduced output, while keeping the pregnancy um, somewhat under wraps in a demanding work sphere? So. Yeah, I definitely had a few thoughts on this one. My first was to embrace the freedom. <laughs> did you did you and your husband like did you guys purposely take any big I mean we did like some trips and I remember like we would try to see as many like I think I went to lots of movies while I while I was pregnant because it's true there are things that are going to become so much more difficult later and you should try to if you have a bucket list destination um that you don't see being fun to do with kids do it. So I do think there's something we said. Yeah, I mean, certainly you can travel when you have kids, either with them or without them. So I certainly am not, you know, one of my least favorite genres of blog posts are like the 30 things you should do before having children, because it implies like your life (laughs) is over when you have kids. And that is not true at all. Yes, things may require more planning, might require more logistical things, uh, but, you know, it was stuff on that list is always like no, go you're skydiving. Right. You know, I didn't want to skydive before kids. I don't want to skydive after kids. There's no difference. <laughs> Just like no, you're right. You're right. I, I would say only if there's something like um, like I sort of do wish that we had. Well, we didn't really have the money. Yeah, so there I mean, you exactly. go. Because we were too. young and didn't have real jobs. But like, if you did, like, if you know, I'd really like to go to New Zealand, but I don't really feel like doing that flight with kids anytime soon. So I kind of like that would have been a fun thing to have done. 
before. Like th- that kind of really, but I mean, we certainly will do that kind of thing later with kids. It's just that in the baby years, it is a little bit more challenging to go on a, you know, 18 hour flight. <laughs> so if there are big things, then get it out of your system. But you're right. It is not. And I do hate the narrative that your life is over. And I also hate the narrative that like, just wait, you'll, everything's just going to be horrible. Like even that everything will change. Like I, this is the, like, yes, I was Laura before having kids and I'm Laura after having kids. And I think, you know, if you know yourself, you're going to know yourself after you are going to be the same person. Certain things may wind up magnified just because there are certain stressful situations with children that don't exist without them. But you know, people are like, oh, when I first saw my baby's face, everything changed. Like, I think you're just a little bit dramatic. (laughs) Like, you know, you're still the same person. And, you know, the fact that this person is thinking about all this stuff probably means that she knows herself and it's going to be the same. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to go to New Zealand, I guess go to New Zealand. But since she travels for work, maybe she travels for work internationally anyway. Like, you know, and so she's going to keep doing it. Right. So she may be having to go to New Zealand no matter, no matter what. You're right. Or, or not. Um, I think we both thought that, I mean, once the pregnancy is, is definitely a go, um, you might want to think about childcare uh, strategically, what you're going to need. Yeah, people fixate on like the bottle warmer and like decorating the nursery and honestly all that stuff i'm not kidding you could literally sit in your hospital bed pick up amazon prime and ship it all to your house in 48 hours and like have the stuff you need delivered prior to i mean i'm not recommending that necessarily but i think there's some misplaced efforts and i think the biggest thing you can do is figure out your childcare situation like think about like you know finding out from your friends if there are good daycares or even like you know finding out if someone has a great nanny that's going to be not needed at a certain point. Like that is one thing that if you get that in place, you're golden. So I, I think doing yeah, that and early. not doing that early is a great way for setting yourself up for massive stress when you're trying to go back to work. You know, the people are like, Oh, well, I don't want to think about childcare because I'm not sure what I want to do. Like put it in place. Like that's setting yourself up for not going, like if you're thinking that, like you're not going back to work, like that's an entirely separate issue. Don't sabotage yourself by then being like, Oh, couldn't find good childcare. So I looked for Jas. I went and chose daycares for our oldest for Jasper when I was four months pregnant because that way I knew I would get a spot when I wanted it. I did it when I had a line on the stick, like literally, because I knew it was a very like I knew the specific. It was the Duke daycare. It was like, and all the faculty member would steal up all the spots, and I was a resident, and it was like I get a spot. <laughs> so yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. As much research, and I had done the research prior to getting pregnant, so that I knew I could get on the list as soon as I saw the line on yeah. the stick. So no, we there um, you go because it, yeah. it was one that was a quarter mile from our house and was good, and so that was what I wanted. Like that because stuff like that, you know, it's going to be you're going to be dealing with it daily, <laughs> so you want to minimize the the difficulties uh, involved in it. Like certainly if you're thinking about this, that your kid will be in for a few years, I mean, you might want to look for places that actually have um, cafeteria facilities. Like, so they're making the kids like lunch. So you're not having to pack that daily, for instance, that would be um, a, a good thing to look into. I was going to say, um, if you have friends that have kids that you admire and seem happy and well-adjusted, hang out with them for brunch or something with the kids. Because I do think that, and you know, be careful of who you're choosing. You want to choose people that seem to enjoy that time of life. Because I think a lot of people would talk you off the ledge of how much you might be worried about things. And seeing them in action and how they're still enjoying their lives and having fun and fitting everything together could be really valuable. Like I definitely, um, some of Josh's friends were a little older and have had kids and just, I don't know, getting to see like, oh, they're, you know, this looks really fun actually kind of takes a little bit of the anxiety away, took a little bit of the anxiety away from it. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like in the past people spent more time around more kids. Uh, it seems to be that a lot of people have not really spent extended amounts of time caring for kids until they have their own. I, I guess I did a lot of babysitting. My little brother, I was old enough when he was born that I remember a lot of the babyhood. And then my older brother had kids uh, relatively young. He and his wife did. so, And I was in the same town as them when their kids were little. So I saw a lot of their babyhood as well. And, and so I think a lot of people are just not familiar with it. And so it becomes this big sort of disorienting thing uh, in, a, in a way that it wouldn't necessarily if you'd had sort of more extended family experience around kids. 
Yeah. Any tips for early pregnancy? Um, I will say I did the like non-conventional thing and told my practice manager super early because I really did feel like crap and I preferred to get the sympathy rather than just <laughs> show, look, you know, I mean, I think they were going to figure it out anyway. So I guess that really depends on your job. You know, some people also have a great pregnancy. Not everybody has nausea. You might be really lucky and feel completely fine. Um, literally some people are asymptomatic. So keeping under wraps might just be a matter of some loose yeah. shirts. Or, or until, yeah, they may not have extended nausea. It might be like just a few weeks, like not, you know, some people it's longer into, into the first and second trimester and all that. Uh, but yeah, and especially if it's your first pregnancy, people, I guess it takes a little bit longer to pop out as they say. <laughs> yes, um, and I, I actually found with my first pregnancy that I could, uh, I was almost up to six months before you could look at me and for sure be like, yeah, that, that's happening. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can, you can be more discreet about it if you want. Even actually after that, I, I would wear like a blazer and a scarf and, you know, nine months, yeah, you can tell, but like six months, maybe not. If you wear black and everything's draping all over the place, then it's not yeah. so obvious. And, you know, obviously by that point, many people want to be telling people, but if there's certain things like you don't want to, like, I remember I had some meeting at one point while I was, was pregnant and I was, I was trying to get a, a group to like, give me some work. Like I was meeting with them. I wanted to be working with them. And I thought that walking in like six months pregnant would not be the fir- the best way to start that off. And so I just didn't mention it. Right. And, you know, it never came up. Like people, if they're polite, they're not going to ask. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I think you can, you can strategically drape if it's not something you're, you're willing to share yet. As for travel, I, I don't know. I guess my big thing was always making sure I was near bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Travels. I mean, I, I think I flew to Vail at like 33 weeks pregnant when my husband broke his leg with Annabelle. So travels, travels fine while pregnant. Um, you're going to be miserable wherever <laughs> you are. Well, so go you... interesting places. All good. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, we actually went to, I flew to South Africa when I was pregnant with Jasper. Uh, I flew to Denmark as well too. I definitely were some long trips in there. Uh, I remember that. All right. Love of the week. Yeah. Okay. Mine is an app called Song Kick because you know how like you find out a group you a band you like is coming to the area, but you, it's like too late and the tickets are all gone or you hear from a friend that they saw this group that you really like and you're like, damn it, I didn't even know. Well, you can like, again, non-sponsored, sorry, disclaimer, I have to say it. Um, but this is an app where you can enter your area and like it will look at all the music on your phone and you can add any groups that you like and it sort of learns your taste and then it'll do a pop-up notification when somebody announces a tour, which, I mean, I guess it depends on where you live. If you're in New York, that might get annoying. Like maybe you'd get a pop-up every day, but in Miami, it only happens every week or so. And it's been really helpful. Um, like I, Father John Misty is coming. I don't know if anybody knows him, but I'm super excited and I already got the tickets and I don't think I would have known if it wasn't for the app. That's cool. So, yeah. If yeah, you're a live kick. music fan, that sounds like a great way to plan that ahead and make sure that you can get the tickets um, and not have to necessarily, you know, pay a lot for resale tickets. If, <laughs> if it's a... Yes. You can get them straight off a of Ticketmaster yeah, as long exactly. as they're fast. Well, my love of the week, I'm going to um, give a shout out to this one uh, school fundraiser my kids did. It's called Original Works. And I, I really am not a big fan of school fundraisers in general. Um, this is uh, so, like the... We could do a whole episode on how much the bake sale concept yeah, sucks. Yeah, well, or, or overpriced <laughs> wrapping paper or whatever. I feel like the bake sale has just become this like touchstone of, of like manufactured guilt or something. But, uh, the, you know, people sell overpriced wrapping paper that you don't really want in the first place anyway or the little tins of popcorn and then the kids are want, like, want you to buy it so that they can get those prizes. It's just, it's all bad in, in so many ways. But this one, it's, it's basically the kids do original artwork and then the company takes the pictures that they draw and puts it on stuff that's basically like conference swag items, right? So t-shirts or mugs or, you know, all that kind of thing. And so I got three jumbo size nice coffee mugs, like dishwasher, microwave safe, one with each of my three elementary school kids artwork on it. And so I actually use them. Like these are good mugs and they have my kids art on it. And that's much better than like the tin of cheddar popcorn that I shouldn't be eating anyway. So I, I was a fan of that as an option. And then they didn't have a lot of other stuff that would have, I think this was like the load. I love that. Like that's something I'd actually want to buy for yeah. family members. Again, 
the whole wrapping paper type of a thing. That's really yeah. Cool. No, I mean, I think it takes it took a little bit more effort in the sense of you had to have, which I assume that the company had sent their consultants in to help with this, like that they had the art come in certain sizes and they had to carve out time in the class to do it. But you know, they do art anyway, so it's not like they had to suddenly do art when they wouldn't have otherwise. And and then yeah, you no, know, the stuff is is actually useful um, if if you choose the right. Again, it's like conference swag type stuff. So you have to choose the ones you'd actually use versus stuff you wouldn't. But the mugs was a good option. So we have that. So that's my love of the week. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds, episode 47. We have mostly been talking our 2018 goals and then also the question of things to do before your kid first kid comes, I guess we put go to New Zealand on the list unless, you know, you're already going to New Zealand for work anyway, in which case you'll be doing that afterwards. So don't worry about it. We'll be back next week for more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the best of both worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.